Welcome in to the Fat Boys Dynasty Podcast as a part of the Fantasy Holics. I'm Brant. I'm Bo. And uh, we're going to be covering any of any and all of your dynasty needs um, here on this podcast. Uh, today, we're going to cover uh, some uh, winners and losers, losers of the 2022 NFL Draft um, as they relate to some, as they relate to some of the dynasty uh, rankings. Uh, Bo, if you want to jump straight in, let's let's jump straight into your first winner. Yeah, so obviously there's tons of winners and losers um, in the NFL draft uh, every year, especially when it comes to dynasty. Obviously, when you look at it from the redraft spectrum, it's not really a win or a lose because you just draft players differently. But if you're already holding certain players, the NFL draft means even more to you than it does to, to you know your regular everyday redraft players in fantasy. Um, but I'm going to jump straight into a veteran that, uh, you know, I thought one pretty handedly um, from this draft and, and Brant, this one will be no surprise to you because you know, I'm, I'm a, I've been a big supporter of this guy his whole career. Um, he obviously uh, kind of broke my heart a little bit this year, leaving my beloved Falcons. Uh, but Matt Ryan I, is a guy that I take away as a, is a big winner from this draft. You know, he leaves the, the turmoil of the Falcons rebuild after the Falcons made that, uh, gruesome attempt to uh, land Deshaun Watson uh, and ended up, you know, to where we ended up moving Matt Ryan for a third round pick, which um, part of me was really sad to see Matt go. But the other part of me was really happy for Matt because, you know, he's got a chance to uh, rejuvenate his career at the tail end, maybe go out chasing a ring, which he wasn't going to do in Atlanta. Uh, but, you know, he already stepped into a pretty good receiving core there with like, the likes of Michael Pittman, you know, obviously the best run game he's ever had in his career with, you know, Jonathan Taylor. And Absolutely. then um, Indy sh- shirt up the pass catchers pretty handedly, in my opinion, with Alec Pierce, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Uh, big frame there. Matt Ryan does pretty well with big size targets. And then they also drafted uh, Jelani Woods, the tight end out of uh, the University of Virginia, another freak athlete. Um guy high points the ball he makes plays near the near the red zone i think matt ryan is going to be fantasy relevant and serviceable again i'm not saying he's somebody that you want to go out and leap for um in a in a uh if you're doing it for a first year dynasty draft that wouldn't encourage going out and making him your first quarterback selected but you know if matt ryan is sitting out there on on waivers in your dynasty league or you know you're in a predicament where maybe deshaun watson is your quarterback and you're worried that this year might be the year that he actually gets a suspension even though i know he didn't play last year or whatever the case may be and you're looking for that guy i think matt ryan very well could be that um you know they also added uh bernard raymond that uh, offensive tackle from uh, Central Michigan, who a lot of people thought was going to be a potential first round talent, maybe late or early to late second round, you know, big physical, nasty guy. Uh, and I think, you know, Matt Ryan arguably is going to be playing behind the best offensive line he's yeah. had with, with potentially the best pass catchers he's had minus, you know, the years of prime Julio, obviously no, no disrespect to prime Julio and Tony Gonzalez, but at least in the last few years that Matt Ryan's had available to him. And I, and I look for Matt Ryan to, to bounce back pretty big this year. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. He, he fell into a great situation. Um, he's definitely a guy that, you know, you could target in, 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 in uh, dynasty dynasty startup drafts. You target him late. He's great bench quarterback. He's going to be definitely serviceable. Um, and most in uh, most weeks, he definitely will be, uh, serviceable QB, especially like you said, the whole Deshaun Watson, or if maybe maybe your quarterback is one of the ones about to get replaced, or maybe you just need somebody to hit you that bridge year until 
until you're drafting one next year in a rookie in a rookie draft. Sure. So sure. Um, one of my biggest winners out of out of this draft was um, uh, Daniel Jones. I, I, I sticking with the quarterbacks. Daniel Jones. They didn't. The Giants didn't draft another quarterback to replace him at all. They they're apparently they're putting the belief in Daniel Jones. They. Um, also filled the voids on that offensive line to definitely, you know, prove that, Hey, we're going to, we're doing what we can to protect you. Um, so, I mean, they definitely, they didn't, they didn't try to replace any part of that offense. They tried to better that offense. So I, I think Daniel Jones is a huge winner in this draft. Yeah. You know, um, I, I definitely agree with you. I, Daniel Jones is not somebody that I've ever been like super fond of when it comes to, to fantasy um, you know, obviously he's got that the, the mobility that's interesting. It piques your interest when it, when you come to uh, talk about fantasy and things of that nature. But he, Daniel Jones has never been somebody who I've been like, "Yep, that's a guy I want in a dynasty. That's a guy I want in a redraft." Even I've never I've never looked at Daniel Jones under that light. But you're absolutely right. They for the first time since they they drafted Daniel Jones, they did take some shots at that offensive line early and often, you know, Evan Neal, a lot of people thought was going to, was potentially the best um, line per, lineman prospect in this draft. And, and arguably before the combine and all that, he was the the number one offensive lineman on the board. Yes, yes. Um, so not only do I think, do I agree with you wholeheartedly on Daniel Jones, but I also think this is make or break year for Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley is obviously a winner too, because of the same reasons, you know, that offensive line getting shirt up, this should be the best offensive line Saquon Barkley has been behind in his career. And, and in my opinion, uh, Saquon's got some proven to do as far as the fantasy world is concerned, because, um, you know, Saquon is, is a guy that a lot of people, um, hold near and dear they they keep him up in those rankings because of what he's done in the past you know maybe he's won them championships or you know uh, he's been that bell cow for you but if you re- if you really look at his career i mean you know uh, in ppr formats saquon barkley had two great years which is his rookie year and then he and then he kind of fell off um and he, he's definitely for me at, at this point going into his fifth season at, at age 25 this is where he's got to prove it because you're, you're near in the end of that shelf life um, for average running backs, and if he's not if he's not going to be average, which I know a lot of people are going to, you know, be real quick to jump and say, well, Saquon's not average. Well, Saquon's not average. I understand that, but his his numbers have started trending the wrong way, and I know there's been injuries and, and things of that nature. But um, the the line is there. This is the year for Saquon, in my opinion. I I, I would love to um, to be wrong on my Saquon judgment, and and I think this year is the year that if, if Saquon is going to be the guy or a guy this is the year that he's got to prove it oh definitely definitely adding to that line it helps you know say hey we're we're here we're trying to keep our quarterback healthy we want to keep our our running back healthy which we all know injuries have been a huge history for Saquon minus I mean his his rookie year is, is is was by far one of his best years that he's had in fantasy wise I think this is this is definitely shaping up and it's it's weird to ever say this but this is definitely shaping up as what could be one of the best fantasy seasons for uh New York Giant players that's, that's absolutely Kenny Galladay's there as a wide out you got Saquon Barkley Daniel Jones has some bye week value right now and and like you you a lot you you uh, talked about his upside or his rushing upside that's always intriguing in any type of in any type of format with when your quarterback takes off running. So if you can draft him late in the draft, he's still young too for dynasty wise. So in startup drafts, drafting him, 
him late is is could turn to be completely amazing for you because like I said, his age is still his age is still low. So he's got plenty more serviceable years if if he can put it with all this that they've added for him. See see I I do want to pump the brakes on you just a little bit there, Brian, if I may. I, I think maybe with Daniel Jones, because we are both in agreement that this should be the best offensive line he's had. He's got plenty of weapons. You know, he's got Kadarius Tony and um Wandale Robinson, the wideout they just drafted out of the University of Kentucky. He's got some weapons in place. And then, of course, if he's got a healthy Saquon Barkley, that should be great for Daniel Jones's value as well, obviously. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think I want to put any emphasis on drafting him in a, in a startup dynasty because just because there is better proven youth and there is more talent at the quarterback position as a whole. Um, more so now than even like three or four years ago, three or four years ago, there's plenty of, of job spots where you're like, oh, is this guy going to be it? Is it going to be this guy? You know, um, I think if I, if I'm doing a dynasty startup right now, Daniel Jones is probably not on my big board, but if I'm already in an established dynasty and Daniel Jones is on the waiver, he might be somebody that I keep my eye on if I'm up there high at the end of, or top end of the waiver order, or if I've got, you know, if I'm in a fab budget league and I've got that fab budget sitting there and maybe my quarterback plays shaky. If he starts out strong this year and it looks like, okay, maybe this is going to be a good year for him. Maybe I snag him there. I don't know if I could get on board with drafting him though. That's that may be where I'm kind of like a little uncomfortable just okay. because of how up and down that career has been. And by up and down, I mean like quarter to quarter, not game to game, <laughs> if that makes sense. I got you. I got you. Okay. I, I definitely understand that. Um, I'm one of those type of people that always waits and waits and waits and waits to draft QBs and, Daniel Jones, if I have to take two stabs in the last two rounds of a startup, I think Daniel Jones is a definite name that I would be looking to draft at the end of the startup. But I, I get what you're saying there with that. Um, All right, Brant, you got a loser? You got a loser for everybody from the draft? I do have. I have. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Singletary and Moss, running backs out of, uh, out of Buffalo. Um, they drafted James Cook in the third round, I believe it was. Um, he he's going to take over most of the pass catching role there in in Buffalo and and honestly with the way he runs and everything else I see James Cook having uh, could potentially take over that entire backfield with uh being a three down back there in Buffalo that's one thing Buffalo has been looking they they've been looking for that that piece to get them over that hump in the AFC such as you know they've made it to the AFC championship game uh, back-to-back years, I believe it was, um, and, and they just they they that running game has been what what has stopped them I, in my mind, and and they finally added something a little higher in the draft. I, I think that James Cook is going to be the um, three-down back there in uh, Buffalo. So I I don't I think Singletary and Moss both their values gone this year. So, you know, at what at what point do you say though, as a as a dynasty? enthusiast as a guy who plays dynasty you know looking at rookie picks what at what point do you say you know this is becoming a trend because if i'm not mistaken and i very well may be here because i'm not that um knowledgeable when it comes to the buffalo backs since i don't own any of them but i'm pretty sure it's been three years in a row devin singletary was first then zach moss and now james cook if i'm not mistaken and i like i said i very well may be but at what at what point do you say you know i if we've got all these uh, running backs under rookie contracts, they're all going to get opportunities. At what point do we step back and say, I want to see how this unfolds before I invest in anything? 
Um, I mean, I know that's easier said than done because when it comes time for your rookie drafts for a dynasty league, um, you can't let that value slip just because you're worried about the way it's going to look with all these young backs. But to me, I, I, you know, I initially, I was pretty um, excited about the James Cook role, but we all know uh, Josh Allen is, is a, is a really good quarterback for fantasy because he does obviously take off so often. And I'm sure that um, the, the bills front office and, and the coaching staff and, you know, fans and everybody collectively doesn't want to see Josh Allen run and take as many hits as he has. So I, I'm sure that's part of it. But at what point do you, do we say too many backs on one roster, young backs on one roster is, is enough. I, I don't really know if there is a point because it's like you said, you can't let the value slip. In this class, you have maybe four running backs that have, you know, a RB1, low RB1, maybe RB2 upside. And, and well, let's, let's just break that down for a minute. Let's, let's just talk about the running backs for a split second. I know I'm, throw, I'm throwing you a huge curveball here because initially we were, we were, we were just going to discuss uh, – winners and losers of the draft, but what fun would a dynasty podcast be if we didn't throw curveballs occasionally? What, what, what are the top four or five running backs in your mind? I mean, I'm not saying you have to necessarily rank them, but out of this, out of this rookie class that you think have standalone value potentially that they're going to come in this year and compete for, for a potential three down workload. Well, you got your breeze hall, um, uh, Pierce there down in uh, Houston. I love the Damian fact Pierce. Damian Pierce. I love that that you know they added him, and the only thing standing in his way is Marlon Mack, and we're not sure Marlon Mack's even standing at this yeah, point. That's true. Like that's, yeah, that's true. So I, so I absolutely love enough. those two, and then I love Kenneth Walker. Now, me being a Seahawks fan, this is, and, and and you know sharing a last name here, so I'm definitely a little homer with Kenneth Walker here. But um, I mean, Penny's made of glass. Every year we see him missing so much time, and we don't even know what the status of Carson is. Kenneth Walker could be literally walking into a three-down workload it, by week two with the way that way that Penny always is hurt. And like I said, we don't know what's going on with Carson. Those are three of my favorite backs in this draft. Um, I absolutely loved Peter Strong until he wound up in um, um, New, England. New England. That's just – New England backs disgust me. Um, and then you have, like I said, Cook is really the other one there. So, really, those are – Excuse me. I'd make a small argument that I potentially could have Tyler Algeyer inside of James Cook in my rankings just because the backfield in Atlanta is so wishy-washy. Um, and, and Tyler Algeyer is comp as James Conner. Uh, you know, Arthur Smith was was kind of the guy that was, was the offensive coordinator there in Tennessee when uh, Derrick Henry's career got rejuvenated and, and he ran for all – all over the place forever and always, you know, was, was the fantasy asset that he was. I, I just wonder if Tyler Algeyer has, a, if I would say he's got a really good chance to be at least the first and second down back in Atlanta behind or with Cordell Patterson, probably spelling him for third down, especially after the draft when they, when they released Mike Davis, I, I think Tyler Algeyer is a guy that's in my top five running backs. And I think James Cook is there. Um, so I, I was just curious because I think this year's draft class, especially like you see a guy like Isaiah Spiller fall or get drafted to the Chargers and fall in the depth chart behind Austin Eckler, who we know is is a top five uh, fantasy running back, at least to start the season. It may maybe maybe 
Isaiah Spiller gets a bigger workload than I think he will, and that a lot of people think he will, and maybe he becomes a top five guy and takes a top five guy in this class, not overall, and takes you know more workload away from Eckler than I think he does. But that that was one of those backs that a lot of people had as their number three on their boards going into the draft, and then his landing spot. For me, it knocked him out of my top five. Um, but I, I was just curious to see because it's you know not saying that I have extreme high hopes in Devin Singletary or Zach Moss, obviously, uh, if I had to pick one of those two, obviously it'd be Devin Singletary just because there's, there's a better work history. Um, but with that being said, I just don't know how ad- adding that third running back. And I, and I just wanted to get your, your clarification on your, on your top four or five rookies, just because I wanted to see like, you know, it, it, with how rich this, this rookie wide receiver class was, I would have to think that, you know, there, there might be because of the landing spots and, and the congestion of some of these backfields that these guys are going into that maybe more wide receivers are more pertinent in this draft than maybe, you know, is James Cook a late first round guy? Is he an early second round guy, mid second round guy? I, I don't know, but that's that's kind of where I was wanting to see where, where your running backs were, because I could think of maybe four or five, probably five or six actually wide receivers that I'd consider taking in front of James Cook. But again, it all depends on your team needs. Yeah, I, so I just wanted to see where you were at with that. I definitely look at, looking at this draft and then looking at our, like our rookie draft and our dynasty is, well, I'm in, the, I'm in the top two and my, my needs are running back. So I'm probably going to go with a running back in the top two. But after the, after Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker probably is going one and two in our draft. After that, you could really see eight to 10 wide receivers go before the next running back comes off the board with where a lot of these landing spots are. So yeah, I definitely I mean, could see where you're coming from adding, you know, multiple receivers going in front of any of these other running backs. You know, I, and, I, and I think when it gets a little bit closer into actual draft season and startup draft season and, and things of that nature, I think you and I will definitely sit down and do a, uh, a rookie rankings and probably do a rookie mock draft on the podcast. But I, I, I think the argument could be made, even though Breeze Hall is, is as good as he is. I don't think you, if, if somebody were to take, you know, Drake London, potentially one over one one, I'm not sure that you could really argue with them and tell them they're wrong. There's I mean, definitely not. And the only reason I say Breeze Hall is going one is because we do know who the one one needs. We know what his team needs. In, in our league. league. Yeah, but yes, but definitely. I, I could definitely see you making an argument for, for London going one one well, Hall and, going one one or even, and, um, uh, just drew it. Garrett Wilson. What's what? what? You know, the only reason I t- too that I say wide receivers is because you're starting to see that trend where running back shelf life is kind of shortening even a little bit, yep. and wide receivers is still kind of trending up. And it used to be back in the day that if you took a rookie wide receiver, you had to wait two or three years to get that production. Well, you know, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, guys like that are kind of expelling that. It's instant. You get instant gratification when you draft these wideouts. And not to say you can't get that from the running backs too, but it just seems like, you know, if I, if I'm sitting there, like, you know, last year in our draft, I was able to get Najee Harris at the two uh, and Jamar Chase went three, Kyle Pitts went one in that draft. Obviously if we, if we could sit down and redo that draft, I'm sure that's not how that would pan out, but that's how it happened last year. Um, And, you know, Najee Harris had a, had a, formidable year running back wise, but Jamar Chase's rookie year blew um, Najee Harris is out of the water and fantasy wise. So it, I think the argument could be made for um, wide receivers to go just because of where their values at right now. But I, I don't want to distract us anymore from what we're doing now. We'll save the rest of that for a, a later date and later time. Cause, cause I could dive right off the deep end of this stuff. So I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, 
so let's let's stick with Breeze Hall for a minute because one of my losers from this draft obviously was Michael Carter. You know, Michael Carter after he got drafted by the Jets last year, uh, the hype train left the station at full steam. Um, you know, a lot of people had high expectations. Um, I, I know a lot of people. There was the is it Najee Harris, Etn Williams, then, um, then. Uh, Michael Carter, or is it my, some form of Michael Carter in the top three? Like where where does Michael Carter fall? And um, you know, I think Michael Carter probably underperformed a little bit to people's satisfaction last year that were that high on him. I know you were an owner for him. I didn't own him, so I didn't watch him that closely. But it, it's my general idea that when you know you throw him in with those other three names, granted, Etn got hurt, uh, but. I think people were a little underwhelmed, but they, you know, this year was another year of possibility. And looking at this draft, the only running back that the New York Jets could have taken that would have just absolutely dismantled Michael Carter's value in my mind was Breeze Hall, the one who ultimately went to the New York Jets. Now, with that being said, I will also say that you know, um, Robert Salah is, is a, a you know a, a former coach from the Kyle Shanahan offense multiple backs being featured. I know they tried that in New York last year with Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter and, you know, whatever. But I think you're going to see Brees Hall be not necessarily early a traditional three-down running back, but I think towards the end of the season you may see him get there, but only if Michael Carter doesn't do well with the third down role. And I think if I had to bet, I would think you'd see Michael Carter start out with at least some kind of role. And I expect that to be a third down role. And in Kyle Shanahan's offense, that's still wildly valuable. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to scare anybody off of Michael Carter or anybody who's got Michael Carter in a dynasty go, Oh, well, you know, Bo said on the fat boys dynasty podcast that <laughs> Michael Carter's value is gone. Cause that's not what I'm trying to relay here. What I want, what I want you to understand is that I think Michael Carter still has value, but it's got to be measured differently now. Absolutely, and and like you like you put in like you said the um, uh, Kyle Hanna, Kyle Shanahan offense. You never know what running back could be coming out week in week out. I mean, we've seen multiple running backs have you know multiple fantasy value there in, in San Francisco, and 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 you alluded to this earlier when we were talking about wide receivers on how they could uh, bypass most of the running backs in this year's draft. The the era of a workhorse running back is slowly starting to come to an end. You don't see a whole lot of teams only using one running back anymore. I mean, you do still have your Derrick Henrys and, and I mean, really that's about it. I mean, I guess Chris McCaffrey too, when he's healthy. Look at, look at your RB one in fantasy last year being Jonathan Taylor. And a lot of people were really happy if they owned his backup at Naeem Himes last year. Yep. A, a lot of people got a lot of great production from Naeem Himes. And that's not even a Kyle Shanahan offense with that, with those running backs. So um, imagine, I mean, if, if, if Brees Hall ends up becoming what people think he is and Michael Carter's, you know, clings on to relevancy somehow and, and does end up taking over that third down role. Look how relevant he could still be. I mean, if, if you get, I would have to think again, I'm not a Michael Carter owner. I own no stake in Michael Carter and fantasy, but I would have to think if you're a Michael Carter owner and you get, you know, Naeem Hines type work from him where you get, you know, on a down week, you get eight to 10 points and then he has an explosion for 20 or 30. If Michael Carter's your third, fourth, fifth running back, I think you'd be extremely happy with those numbers. Definitely would be. Definitely would be. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's like you said. I mean, it, it, if I'm a Michael, like I'm a Michael Carter owner, and odds are I'm going to try to ship him to the Breeze Hall owner. But I, if you know, I don't get what I want. This is another thing that you can sit back and see what you got. Like you said, you get Naeem Hines. I, okay, I'll plug him into my flex, getting ten to twelve points a week. Or if he's even spilling, you know, especially if he ends up spilling the red zone work over there. I mean, you never know what you're going to get out of him. So definitely, definitely a guy to keep an eye on and, and Michael Carter. Um, and if you are a Michael Carter owner, definitely don't, don't ship him away for cheap because the value may be there and you may end up kicking yourself two, well, three weeks down the road. One thing I, I do want to uh, point out here is that a lot of people talk about Breeze Hall, like Breeze Hall is, is, you know, he's the next greatest thing. And in this draft class, he very well may be. Um, and I know he's got exceptional hands coming out. That's been something that's been relayed. But he only, in his three years at uh, Iowa State, he, he went 20, uh, had 23 receptions in 2019, 23 receptions in 2020. And then last year he had 36. These are not numbers that just pop off the chart and say, okay, this guy can definitely do it. You know, Michael Carter's got that um, pass catching that he proved he could do at the NFL level last year. So, you know, let's let's wait and see if, if Brees Hall becomes a three down back before we before we write uh, Michael Carter off into the sunset. I still I still think he's going to have some value even. But even with saying that, I do want to I still think he's a, a loser of this draft because anybody else goes there. And we're talking about a more true running back by committee than what we are now, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that that about wraps up. Wraps uh, up I got our, uh, I got I got one more winner, and you know I got to talk about my favorite wide receiver in this class. Even though I'm a I'm a diehard Falcons fan, and I'm and I'm slowly keening to the idea of having Drake London. Christian Watson was one of my favorite pro, wide receiver prospects coming into this, and I think he's a huge winner because not only did he fall into a great scheme, but he's falling into a great scheme that's going to have a lot of wide open targets going to Green Bay. He's got Aaron Rodgers, who I would have to assume, even though he did just get the bag this offseason, is going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. His best weapon, one of his one of his best weapons of his career in Devontae Adams gets traded this offseason. Kind of started that domino effect on all these big trades we saw um, when, he, when he went to the Vegas. And now Christian Watson's coming in. And, and Christian Watson is a guy that I think um, maybe not super early on because I know his route tree isn't super polished. But this is a guy who's six foot four, two hundred and eight pounds, with thirty-two and a half inch arms, uh, ten and a half or ten and one eighth inch hands, and he ran a, a forty-yard time at a four-three-six. So you're, you're talking about a guy who's got some speed and size here. I think Christian Watson could end up becoming a matchup nightmare in the future. And if I had to put money on a on a guy that's going to break out and be that guy, because if you remember right, when when it, when Justin Jefferson came out and was that guy, Justin Jefferson was not the number one wide receiver on very many people's board that year. He was kind of a guy that was kind of an afterthought. I think Christian Watson's going to be at the tail end of these good wide receivers that you get that you see get taken in. Uh, rookie drafts of dynasty and if you're sitting at the 108 109 and you don't have a real need you're going bpa and you've seen you know uh drake london come off the board you've seen breeze hall kenneth walker garrett wilson jameson williams um chris olave all come off the board and you're sitting there going well who's the guy well for me that's that's where christian watson is an absolute value of a player if you can get him there because i do think he's a guy that you could see be a top 20 wide receiver 
in dynasty PPR rankings year one, especially based on his landing spot. Definitely just a guy that has to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust. That's about all he's got to do there in Green Bay. And that's not an easy thing to do as as we've seen in the past. Well, that is true. Well, that that sums it up for our winners and losers. Um, You know, as always, we uh, we're hoping to we'll be putting out every Tuesday um, evening uh, posting Dynasty Dynasty podcast. Uh, Make sure you guys check out uh, Seth uh, Berger. He's also on the Fantasy Hall uh, Fantasy Holics page. Make sure you check him out for any of your IDP needs. And there's going to be more podcasts podcasting groups to follow so if you're if you're sitting there you know wanting to get into you know redrafts or super flexes or things of that nature there's going to be more podcasts to follow uh we hope you tune in to us if you're looking for dynasty needs again if you if you've got any questions specific to dynasty that you want to hear us talk about on the show we definitely enjoy talking about that but if you have any idp needs you know jump over go go listen to seth's podcast chat seth up you know uh give that a listen and uh if if you've got anything else that you want to see talked about, you know, like I said, redraft or superflex or, or things of that nature, I think they're coming in the in the near weeks or months. So keep uh, keep listening for that too. Absolutely, absolutely, and good luck in all your uh, in your season this year. And we will see you and talk to you next Tuesday.